It's time for Crack the Customer Code, the ultimate podcast to help you unlock the secrets to understanding and connecting with your customers. Adam, you know, there's a saying about never meet your heroes, but I disagree. <laughs> Depends on the hero, I think, is what the, it's a real point, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I am thrilled with who we're talking to today because back before the aughts, Back in what we called the the 90s, (laughs) Um, the late 90s uh, and early aughts. Was this the the flannel 90s or the Britney Spears 90s? Because there's two (laughs) 90s, really. Um, This was probably more very, very early aughts, I would say. But uh, uh, I read a book called The Experience Economy, and it really did transform how I looked at things and what I wanted to do. And that started me on my, one of the things that started me on my customer experience journey um, that we're still on today doing this podcast. So I think that's pretty cool that we have the author of that book on our show today, Joe Pine. Jeannie, are you blushing? I A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it was very exciting. And I think that, you know, if any, I'm sure many, many of our listeners have read that book, have uh, at least seen some of the results and insights from that book because it's referred to all the time. And I think it's really cool to examine things through that lens because back when that book came out, we were not talking about experience like we are today. And I think what Joe did was really paint a picture of where things were going in a way that you know we weren't talking about. We weren't seeing the way that experience was going to be the driver of business and not just something that was nice to have. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, the book is sort of on two fronts. It's groundbreaking. It really was for the time, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it was, this is like, no one's talking about this. So it's truly innovative and groundbreaking. And now this many years later, it's like part of the canon, right? Yeah. I mean, if we had to, well, that may be an interesting podcast episode, by the way, but we have too many author friends maybe to do it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> like, what is the, what is the canon of customer experience? Yeah. But I would definitely say this book is in it. I totally, totally agree. And uh, yeah, I think it's just, it's an important work. And the fact that it's re-released now with new information, a new view of where we are today, um, it's really exciting. So I think we should, we should let our listeners just you know, experience with us. <laughs> Economically, um, I don't know. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> uh, you know, what Joe has to say. So let me introduce you to Joe. With us today is B. Joseph Pine II, who, aka Joe Pine, as we call him, an internationally acclaimed author, speaker, and management advisor. Joe has spoken at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. Boom. At te- yeah, at TED in California, South by Southwest in Austin, and the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Joe specializes in helping people see the world of business differently through his many groundbreaking books. He's most well known for his best selling book, The Experience Economy, which recently was named one of the 100 best business books of all time by 800 CEO Read. And now in 2020, The Experience Economy has been re released in hardcover. Joe, we are so thrilled to have you here on Crack the Customer Code. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's my absolute pleasure, Jeannie. Well, Joe, it is great to have you, and let's jump right in, because I want to ask you about your book, The Experience Economy, and particularly 
What has changed since you first started talking and writing about that idea of the experience economy? I mean, it's uh, I think we're at like two decades plus now. So obviously yeah. <laughs> a lot has changed. Uh, so, I mean, what, what are sort of, sort of the top lines? What have you seen? Yeah, well, you know, we did first start talking and writing about it over 25 years ago, but the mm. book was published uh, initially in uh, 1999. And as you say, yeah, a lot has changed since then. You you know, back then we talked about the emerging, the forthcoming, the nascent experience economy. Today we say it's here, right? We mm-hmm. are now in an experience economy where experiences have become the predominant economic offering. The people are, uh, prefer experiences over things. And, uh, and you couldn't quite say that 20 years ago. We could foresee it, but you couldn't quite, quite say it. And obviously you also have the rise of the internet and smartphones and apps and that where, uh, you know, people are always just a, a click or a tap away from being in somebody else's experience, uh, <laughs> which adds a lot to um, people's, uh, you know, the requirements for uh, design great experiences. Well, this is a thrill for me because that was one of the books that really started me on my journey. So I want to oh, thank you nice for that. <laughs> yes. And also to, uh, you know, recognize that the it's not just that customer experience as we know it has changed dramatically in the two decades plus, but also the world has pretty much <laughs> changed dramatically in many, many ways. No. And <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, still, we're, we're, we're still shopping on pets.com, aren't we? <laughs> 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 yeah, with our flip phones and <laughs> all of that. I had a flip phone. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The BlackBerry. Remember how exciting that was? I was like, yeah, oh my I'm... gosh, you can type on this thing? This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so as you, you know, you've re-released the experience economy. And so I'm curious, you know, what is the focus of that? When we talk about all these big ideas that have changed, you could probably write uh, an old encyclopedia set about all the changes, right? But how did you focus on what's most important for this re-release of the book? Well, the, the the focus really is in the new subtitle, which is competing for customer time, attention, and money. So we talk about how time is the currency of experiences, how the smartphone, as I alluded to earlier, is the number one competitor for mm-hmm. uh, for every company for the attention of individual customers. And while money should never be the uh, the purpose of an organization, it is, in fact, the measure of how well you fulfill your purpose. And we have particular points of view about how to measure experiences through money and that sort of thing. So so we have in this new preview sections on on time, attention and money. And and one of the key things that that we did not say 20 years ago and we realized since then is 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 one way of summarizing the core distinction between services and experiences is that services are about time well saved. You know, uh, you know, get me mm-hmm. in and out as quickly as possible, do things I can't do for myself that would take me too much time to do or to learn. It's about time well saved. Experiences are about time well spent. The people actually value the time that they spend with you. And, uh, and in terms of attention, then we take a look at each of the models uh, 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 that we have in the experience economy and, and uh, often update them uh, in this new, new uh, release uh, and really focus them on how you use these to capture attention of your customers, which is increasingly scarce today in today's media fragmented world, so that um, you can create uh, robust experiences, you can create cohesive experiences, personal ex- experiences, dramatic experiences and even transformative experiences. And then money, as we mentioned, we talk about one new measure in that section is on is is what we call MVT or the money value of time. 
you know, we're all familiar with the time value of money, but <laughs> yes. given time is money and, and the experience economy is all about the time the customers spend with you. You can measure your experience about how much, how many dollars per minute, basically, that uh, people are spending with you. And it allows you then to compare how well you're doing to all the other experiences out there. If you look at your, you know, your expenditure per minute, your money value of time. Oh, I gosh. love that. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and can I tell you, my sister and I joke that um, the minute you walk into Target, it's a hundred dollars an hour. <laughs> so even if it's for one thing, right, you right. suddenly you spend. And, and what we what we particularly focus on though is actually is the admission fees or membership fees that people mm. stage you. you know, with you, you are what we charge for. We've said that for twenty years, and mm -hmm. uh, and the fact that with experiences, what you want to charge for is time. You know, commodities, mm -hmm. you charge for stuff, goods, you charge for things, services, you charge for activities. But with experiences, it's the time your customers spend with you. Again, that's what they value is that that time well spent. So if you look at emission fees and membership fees, that is the, the what turns any offering into an economic uh, experience. And we see an explosion of companies mm -hmm. that, in fact, are charging emission across all these different um, uh, industries in that. And that's where you can get at that dollar per minute of uh you know of, of experience wow so two questions well first of all Jeannie, i want to be very clear the the joke in in our household is if my wife goes to target it's 100 an hour if i go with her it's 200 an hour yeah, yeah that's I don't that's know why, why i'm not <laughs> that's the opposite here that's why i'm not allowed to go to yeah. costco by myself right. yeah, the, the, the joke the joke in our house is about how much money my wife saves me <laughs> going shopping <laughs> it's like wait a second <laughs> Yeah. I love it. Modern men. That's what you are. Yeah, it's, be it's better than me going. But uh, so question for what we're looking at the experience economy, you're talking about like membership fees. And, you know, obviously there's so we've got, you know, SaaS is such a big part of everyone's life now. And you've got all these subscription and membership models. Yep. Yep. How does this model apply to, you know, the uh, clothing store in the mall? How do, how do we think about the well, so, time, uh, time value uh, of experience? One of my favorite examples is the clothing store. Perfect. In fact, right? It's uh, it's called Wingtip in San Francisco. Co-founder Ami Arad, you know, great, great guy. He's become a friend of mine. Uh, he had a men's clothing store and he read the previous edition of the book where we did ask the question, what would you do differently if you charged a mission? And he said, I got a clothing store. I can't charge a mission. <laughs> How does that work? How does that work? But it bugged him so much that he kept thinking about it. And he finally, he hit upon an idea, which is to create a membership club right? A club. And he prototyped it in literally like a, you know, uh, uh, eight by 15 conference room or something like that with a conference table, a few drinks on and that. And sure enough, people wanted that respite in their day. They became members of the club so they could hang out there and talk to each other and, you know, and, and, and uh, have that break from, from their day. So he rented out um, the bottom two floors of the old Bank of Italy building in San Francisco for the wingtip store which is very well pointed. His theme is solutions for the modern gentleman. Uh, and then the top two floors, he turned in the wingtip club where he's got a full restaurant. He's got a bar. He's got, you know, pool table. Hmm. Um, uh, he's got amazing um, 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 uh, wine cave and, and champagne. He does, does champagne savoring experiences and so forth. And people pay, uh, they have three different levels of, emission, uh, of membership, if I remember right. But at the top level, you pay a $3,000 initiation fee and $200 per month. 
right? Wow. Based around yeah. a clothing store. Now, of course, he had it, there's synergy there. If you go to the clothing store, you love it. They introduce you to the club, and, and chances are you you join the club. If you join the club, the chances you buy from the clothing store go way up. Mm-hmm. So even but clothing stores, Adam. <laughs> right. Well, well but it, yeah, it's combined. He's essentially ex- extended the model, right? Right. Right. Exactly. Because yeah. mm-hmm. he still can't charge to go on the floor, but he can charge right. for something. And you know, you yeah, you can't. There are some. There are sometimes when you can charge admission to the entire place. Right. But um, um, mostly you often see, particularly in retail, you see admission fees in, for places within the place or activities within the place. You know, the first the first place we actually saw it was American Girl Place, if you're familiar with American mm. Girl Dolls. Right? I'm in Chicago. I'm uh, very familiar. Go. So you may remember <laughs> it was November of 1998, right? It was it was like too late to get in the book, right? We, we finished the book. Too late Aww. to get in there, or we would have. We gave it our very first uh, experience stage of the year award. Uh, but anyway, American Girl Place, that initial one, had a, a live theater where, where people paid over th- like $30 uh, uh, per person for a, a live stage production. And they had a cafe where you're paying $20 for lunch or tea, like $24 for dinner for a grown-up dining experience, including a place setting with your own doll. They have a photo shoot. They have a hair salon. Um, they have doll hospital, right? All of these experiences within the place. You can, in fact, you talked about target. Well, you know, my family, my wife flew to Chicago to take our two daughters <laughs> to the American girl place the summer after it opened. Yeah. And, and they spent over four hours in the place, 30,000 square feet, four hours. And when they got back to the, to the hotel, they called me up and excitedly told me about all their experiences. And as they were talking about this, I began to add it up in my head. Right. They mm-hmm. spent over $150 without buying a thing <laughs> right? yeah. just for the admission fee experiences. But then, of course, they each came wow. back with a huge bag filled with another doll and more mm-hmm. clothing, more furniture, more books and, and, and all that. And that's what mm-hmm. you see over and over again now is, is, is people are charging admission for these experiences within the place. You may have heard of the new, uh, what is it called, in, in American Dream, the new American Dream Mall in New Jersey. Have you heard of this? I have not heard of that. It's only no. it's only partially open now, but it's the first mall in the world where they're designing it with over 50% experiences and less than 50% retail. Hmm. You know, originally it was wow. like 95-5 and then 80-20 and then 60-40. Now it's the first one that's going to be more experiences, including amusement parks, including, you know, ski places and and all these admission fee experiences that you have, you know, that, that have more space and dedicated to it than does the retail in a mall. Wow. wow. So, Joe, I'm. Uh, we didn't talk about this, but I'm in Orlando, so I'm very familiar uh, with the idea of admission like fees. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my my goddaughter came to town, and I, I sold a kidney and uh, joined her at one of the theme parks. So, yeah. <laughs> well, were, were you there? Were you there on Thursday at Galaxy's Edge? Because that's where my wife and I were. Last oh, week. Really? Yeah. No, I was not. <laughs> we okay. don't go down there unless somebody drags us. But uh, so, yeah, you know, it's funny. I just saw an article as well about what you're talking about, a little bit different, but uh, the Aventura Mall in South Florida. Right. How right. How right. You saw that. Yeah. How they're I doing really yeah. well. Well, and they're just because they're just adding all these like family experiences to the mall shopping experience. So mm-hmm. the question I have is from a standpoint of making this concept actionable, like you, you, you gave the wingtip. Yep. example but let's say let's say you've got the mom and pop restaurant on the corner like how do you take this principle and make it actionable to help your business all right well well let me let me let me talk through those five adjectives i did earlier when i talked about attention which Perfect. is you need to make the experience robust 
Okay. Which, and then what we mean by that is hitting the sweet spot of experiences. We, we have a framework where there's four realms of experience. I won't go into the details, but basically you can, you can have uh, entertainment, uh, educational, escapist, or aesthetic, right? So, you, so what you do is you want all four of those to be robust. You want to provide a place to enjoy, a pl- provide a place to learn, uh, to do, and, and go to go and to do, and then to just be, right? And that will get you a robust experience. Cohesive experiences are about theming. And, and you know, what's, what's the organizing principle? Theming ha- often has a bad name because of theme parks, uh, where it's fantasy <laughs> or theme restaurants where it's in your face, but it's simply the organizing principle for the experience. And that's how you decide what's in the experience and what's out. So then you, we got a set of five design principles around theming that says, you know, choose a, a concise, a succinct, uh, but memorable theme, and then use it to determine what's in and what's out of the experience so everything hangs together. And then personal is about customization, about about understanding each individual person because our experiences happen inside of us. That's where the experience actually is. You need to reach inside of people, engage them. And the better you customize your goods and services to them, then the, the more engaging that experience that you can create. And then dramatic, right? Drama is about theater. And like the original subtitle of the Experience County back in 1999 was work is theater and every business a stage. And so you need to recognize that 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 when you create a retail business like that, that your workers are on stage, whether they know it or not, whether they do it or not, do it well or not, they need to act in a way that engages the, the audience. You need to direct them to act, uh, to recognize they're on stage and then create the drama that really gets people uh, engaged, right? That rises up to a climax and, and comes back down again. And then finally, the last one, is about transformative. And it recognizes that, in fact, experiences are not the final economic offering, that that there's one more out there, and that's where you use experiences as the raw material to guide people to change, you know, to help them achieve their aspirations. And that and those we call transformations. Right? Transformations are the fifth and final economic offering in this progression of economic value. And so you can turn your experiences into transformative experiences by focusing on what do your customers aspire to become and how can you help them uh, achieve that? So if you can do those five things, or even if you don't do the transformation level, if you do the other four things, then that's going to help you create an engaging experience, one that will, and, and one that will last and be worth an admission fee. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Love that so much. And, you know, you said, I loved how you talked about the drama mm-hmm. of it. And, you know, when you talk about having, basically, all your employees are on stage, whether they know it or not. Exactly. Um, in today's world, where a lot of what we're talking about are experiences that people have to engage with by going to, mm-hmm. in today's world, a lot of us are barely leaving our house right. to, <laughs> but we're spending a lot of money. <laughs> like, yep. um, and so you mean, how you mean do we saving work- a lot of money? Let me get yes, it right. That's right. And <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Yes, we've decided um, to adopt our Amazon driver. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, when you're just like picking up your phone and ordering whatever you're out of on Amazon, not that I do that every night, but let's say I did, no. uh, <laughs> you know, how, how are you reconciling these things between you want to create that drama, you want to create these really robust experiences and you might not have the access to the customer who is you know the one who's really supporting the entire business economically so how do you reconcile that well you mean because because the customer is buying from you online and often through somebody else yeah Yeah. or even um 
yeah, and not really interacting with the overall brand right, in the right. way that you know we're talking about. Well, or and I, if I can if I can add a a, a finer point, you know, or they're just looking for convenience and speed, right. like ordering right. AA batteries. Well, if they if if they're if they are looking for just convenience and speed, then guess what? You've been commoditized, right? They want to buy mm-hmm. you as a commodity. They want to buy you at the lowest possible price and the um, greatest possible convenience. And it's mm-hmm. and it's difficult to get out of that. And you also you always have some set of customers that want that some of the time. You know, you think about even going to a Starbucks, right? Is that I can sit there and go to a Starbucks and I can enjoy my coffee in the pl- experience place that they have created, which is an experience. Or I can I can do mobile order and I can do drive through where I where it's mm-hmm. a a service that in fact is going to commoditize Starbucks because they're getting people to focus mm-hmm. on the 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 ease and the convenience of it. So, so you may be serving both of those customers, which is fine. One of the things you can think about, particularly uh, if you are packaging the product yourself, is what is the out-of-box experience, right? You notice mm-hmm. how Apple excels at that, right? People take videos of opening up their Apple products because they've designed <laughs> it as drama. I mean, literally, they designed it as drama. They know this is going to take some time. We're going to have this drama of how you open it and so forth. We, we in fact, in the, in, in the book, we have this, this uh, new framework. It's updated from one that um, uh, we borrowed from Doblin Group long ago about five stages of drama, of enticing them, of entering of engaging, you know, during the main experience, of exiting, and then of extending, and you can do all five of those by opening a box, right? Is that the look mm-hmm. of the box entices <laughs> you and wants you to open it? the The box opening is that entering into the box, and whatever I pull out of it, now I'm being engaged by that object. And how do I pull it together? And again, Apple does that wonderfully with how it presents its objects and everything else that that go in there. And then the exiting is the closing of it. Now I've got the the, the, the product. I'm I'm sort of putting the, the the box away. And then the extending of it is the use of that product as the follow on of the box opening experience. Right. So any company mm-hmm. that's sending things can do that and should major in that. But then otherwise, it's a matter of giving them a reason to come into your place. Right beyond just buying the the goods or services that you have, that the that understanding that the experience you stage, in fact, is the marketing. It's the way to entice people into your place, and then and and emission feed experiences actually get you to make money at that instead of just giving it away and having to recoup the cost in an increasingly commoditized world of stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent points. Yes, and it's ama- you know it's amazing. Just uh, not really the point you were making, but it's amazing how many people have copied that unboxing yeah. experience mm-hmm. now. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, you can you can tell the you can tell the power it had by just how many imitators. Right, but I'm there. still I'm well, still well, amazed well. by how many people don't do it. You know, like I, uh, yeah. the last yeah. one I bought was uh, Nike ID shoes, right? Oh. And I Nike ID shoes, and it's a plain brown box, and you open it up, and there was barely enough tissue paper to cover the shoes with no notes, <laughs> no nothing, no nothing else. I'm like, are you kidding me? And those are super exactly. custom, right? Like that's time, the whole idea. Getting them exactly the way that I want them. Oh uh. wow! Yeah, you're gonna want to step. I mean, you know, the the, the Apple thing, you got to have some margins to really right, do it right. all the way because it's expensive. But yeah, but there's a there's a middle ground between between that yeah. and the but brown box. But also recognize right? that the experience you create helps you creates the value that gives you that those margins as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh gosh. Well, Joe, I literally don't know where the time went. This is uh, we have just been <laughs> rolling. Like, yeah, man, we were in flying. So uh, I think we'll go ahead and wrap up. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. Congrats on the. Uh, 
reissue of the experience economy and please let our audience know where they can find you and learn yes more. thank you adam they they uh, can learn more at our website strategichorizons.com strategichorizons with an s.com i'm also on twitter at joe pine make it easy j-o-e-p-i-n-e and in fact since we talked about on stage we actually have a a frontline video training offering called on stage which you can get at onstagetraining.com Excellent. Well, this was a thrill. So thank you so much for being a part of this and for sharing all your wisdom for all these years and for making us think differently <laughs> about all of these things because you you are part of that. So I appreciate it very much. And I'm excited to uh, see where all of this experience economy goes. There's more to come, Absolutely. I think. Yep. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jeff. Excellent. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, I think I have, you know, I scrawled notes during that interview, which I don't always do. Um, and I'm sure our listeners were able to take a lot too. But one of the things that I loved about what he said was how he described a robust experience. I thought that was so powerful to think about enjoy, learn, do, be. and you know, when you think about where you live, Adam, and those theme parks, uh, you can tell that they put thought to that, all of those different things. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, you know, I liked, I thought it was brilliant, the idea of services versus experiences. And we sort of intuitively mm -hmm. know that difference, but the idea of, from a focal standpoint, from a sort of constitutional standpoint, time well saved versus time well spent. Mm -hmm. right? Experience, you're yeah. happy to spend the time. Services, you want uh, you know, the time saved. And of course, right. those two can uh, combine and overlap, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. yeah, just yeah. so many distinctions, such a interesting and insightful and powerful way, um, you know, to look at experience. And I, I loved his answer. Uh, in case somebody starting at the end of the episode, go back. I loved uh, Joe's answer about like, how, how would you make this actionable for like a small business? Because, you know, that's, uh, mm -hmm. that's my lens so much. And yeah, it was just great stuff all the way through. So happy to have them and uh, mm -hmm. looking forward uh, to re-releases. That's exciting. It is. It is for sure. So we recommend it, I would say, for everybody. So I uh, am just so grateful that he was here. And of course, I'm grateful that our listeners are here too. What would we do without our listeners, Adam? I don't We'd know. be talking to each other. <laughs> per perish the thought, Jeannie. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, listeners, for being here. And if you loved this episode, if you like the guests we bring on, if you think Adam and I are good eggs, cool. we'll, use, we'll use an expression from the 50s for you kids. Good egg. <laughs> swell yes, and neato. Swell eggs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then please take a second and give us a little review, a little shout out on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help us and our show be found by more people, which is what we're trying to do. We're trying to spread the gospel of customer experience here on Crack the Customer Code. Can I get an amen, we're Jeannie? <laughs> Amen. So Crack the Customer Code is a proud member of C-Suite Radio. So be sure to check out all the great business content at csuiteradio.com and csuitetv.com. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me and our journey mapping programs, CX training, and speaking at experienceinvestigators.com. And I'm Adam DePork. You can learn more about my keynote speaking, customer experience, and customer service training and advisory at customersatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.